0: Hi everyone, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. If you're watching it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the show, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new show is released. And if you'd like to find links to videos or mp3 files, just go to miamighostchronicles.com and you can also submit any eerie experiences you've had at the Submit Your Story tab. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram where you can find information not only about new shows but also about monthly free merchandise giveaways. So, get comfortable, enjoy this new episode and just imagine it's a dark and stormy night where not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. And if a creature is stirring, you hope it's a mouse hi everybody it's marley with miami ghost Chronicles. stories of the supernatural how's everybody doing and today i am super excited with the guest that we're going to be talking to uh first of all this is a lady who is interested and is active in a lot of different fields in the paranormal and and by this i mean and, and you know i've mentioned it several times before that the paranormal everybody thinks sometimes of the paranormal as just being ghost stuff and Not at all. That's just one of the things. There's so many other things that could fall under that umbrella. And her name is Susan Demeter St. Clair. She's a Canadian-based anomalies researcher and writer. Now, her research and her interests are an eclectic mix and include such diverse subjects as parapsychology, parasociology, social PSI, frontier science anomalies, unidentified aerial phenomena, western esoteric knowledge and philosophy chaos magic folklore and synchronicity among other areas so there's a lot to talk to her about but you know that the first thing I'm going to ask her about is after I welcome her how are you doing today Sue? Oh I'm great
1: I'm I'm so happy to be talking to you today too Um, thank you so much for the wonderful introduction.
0: On the contrary it is my pleasure and my audience knows that I always ask all my guests, how did you become involved in this field? Was it childhood interest and experience or something that you got involved in as an adult?
1: Uh, as, a, as a serious sort of researcher, it obviously it was more of an adult. It was, a, it was a choice that I had made to pursue as an adult based more on childhood, I guess, experiences where I feel um, it sort of chose me versus me sort of choosing it, so to speak. Okay. Um, I did have I, I did have a bunch of experiences with a child that, at the time, I sort of related to the lens of a and perhaps pop culture and sort of family beliefs of, sort of ghost experiences. But later on, as an adult, they sort of um, took on more the, the the narrative of an like a, a, a UFO experience. Okay. So I sort of started off as a as, as sort of exploring UFOs and getting into
0: ghosts and it just like snowballed from there for me anyway i just love all these topics okay and and that's you know i tell everybody everybody sometimes wants to put the paranormal as like one thing or the other and even though some of them are quite separate they all have that i want to say sometimes um they fall under that that umbrella of sometimes not having sharp linear edges as far as reproduction you know reproduction as far as in the lab for example or proof and you know sometimes there's a head butting with hard science so um and have you had uh any uh, close encounter have you ever seen a ufo i have had three uh ufo experiences that um that were
1: quite dramatic and they sort of uh for me, I, I am now calling them more UFO initiation. Okay. First one was was I was 23 years old at the time, and uh, I had been um, at the time my, my, I had two small children, and I had just I had put them to bed, and I was living in this sort of tenth floor uh, condominium overlooking lake on. So at that time, and I, I was up late, and I was watching that. I'll never forget this. The virus, Mistress of the Dark film. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and yeah. So the, you know, November fourth, it was just after like that Halloween, and I was still in that sort of mode. And I was watching this film with my then brother-in-law. And as it was my habit, because I lived on this tenth-floor condominium, I had these sliding glass doors out onto this, this uh, patio, okay. and I would—I had a lot in my husband at that time. Um these extra locks on it to make sure the kids could never get out of the balcony uh and so i went to go and lock them and i saw this huge glowing red sort of ball of light through the glass doors and i was i remember looking back towards the television set which this film was just there that elvira was just giving it you know just a reflection this reflection what is this and then i realized something outside and i went and i i Opened the door and i went out and i was in my, wearing my pajamas at the time it was very late it was about one o'clock in the morning and i noticed this huge it was almost like octagonal red shaped pulsing orb. and i remember staring at it for probably uh, maybe 30 seconds or so and i yelled out to my brother-in-law who had stayed up to watch this film with me and uh and he came out and we were looking at this and we were kind of freaking out like what the heck is yeah. this like, and, he found it. and it was near in the, the vicinity of the uh, nuclear generating station. So it was over this nuclear power plant. It was over the lake. We were looking at this thing. And at some point my brother in law said, I think we're seeing you a okay. And I, I honestly I couldn't I, I couldn't argue with him. And it was so incredible. And I remember saying to him very critically, and this came back to me later in memory. I don't I didn't remember saying Right away, but I said, We know we can see them, And then at that point, this thing to me seemed to implode on itself this big ball of glowing light in the sky, and it shot straight up and it was gone. Wow. And I remember staying up all night. Like, I didn't sleep at all that night. You we were up top. What
0: was
1: Both of us. And, uh, and this was pre-internet days, so I couldn't just jump on Google or, or look up Twitter or see if anyone else had seen something. So right. I just I, I looked at the newspapers of the following day, and I couldn't see anything. I remember thinking to myself, we couldn't have been alone seeing this. Exactly. And uh, but then I, I didn't really know who to turn to. Um, so I ended up going to the library because I wasn't really into UFOs at that point. I Remember, I, I thought I had all these ghostly experiences as a child. I never kind of connected the two. And, uh, and I found um, a, 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 a UFO book, which I took out, and it sort of started me down the road from there uh, as far as trying to research what this could have been, uh, which eventually got me involved in, in some UFO community and, and groups like Nufon and that which were okay. investigations at the time so it sort of started from that point forward okay uh, yeah so and that I, I view that now as sort of an initiation experience I've I'm gonna tell enough. you something
0: that's quite an initiation because a lot of people they're first they're like kind of like the that's I, I, and it's really interesting what you say because your first thought is you're thinking of something plausible like something like you know is it a reflection and you know You're not thinking UFO. You're thinking what's what's causing this. And also what you mentioned is you're thinking the next day, you know, why are people running around the street saying, hey, what is that? You know, and sometimes not everybody There's like sometimes there's coverage. I want to say now there seems to be more coverage of things like that. But back then, it was like it, it would go unreported.
1: It would. And a lot of people didn't know who to turn to. I yeah. mean, I certainly I didn't know, you know, anything really about the subject prior to then or that there was this grassroots movement such as with QFOS or with MUFON. I did find um, a book by uh, Dr. Alan Hynek, uh, who um, was very prominent in the field and, and was part of project the book. I don't know how much you know about the post, but right. some of your audience may, some of the listeners may know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and I found that he had unfortunately passed away, but I wrote this entire letter out, a handwritten letter going back to 1990, Okay. and unfortunately, it came back, returned to sender because it was, you know, he had passed away, and oh, the address yeah. in the back of the book was gone. So I, I kept that uh, with me until my kids were much older, and then I... Uh, it was in the early days of the internet so about 96 97 in there i started to look for ufos on the internet okay the, new, the new internet and this is where i started finding other people and other researchers and i was oh hey there are these people on there are, you know some really intelligent people out there that yes. are, are looking into this and this is really cool and so again that's how it all kind of started for me um and then I began sort of, uh, as well, looking into um, spook lights, which are sort of anomaly lights that were occurring here in Ontario, and okay. it was occurring in a place called the Ghost Road, so this sort of brought me into that ghostly realm, and uh, and, and I started drawing parallels between ghosts and UFOs at that point, and okay. other sort of spooky Fortean topics.
0: They're, they actually have a lot in common. Right. And and, and I know some people and I guess whether you want to think of it as the Internet or more people being more, you know, out front about their experiences. But, you know, I, I know there's people that track correlations between UFO sightings, sightings of cryptids, other unusual phenomena, like there's an uptick all around the same time or sometimes the same location.
1: Yes, and sometimes um, it will start off like for me, I, I felt that I had grown up in a haunted house. I had experiences with sort of these little people that wow. I had figured were ghosts. Um, I come from a family where my mother saw ghosts, my 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 grandmother did as well. Right. After I had my uh, my UFO experience, and my father was a pilot, and he. Uh, at different points was for the Department of National Defense and he saw UFOs in the Gulf of Mexico in the nineteen fifties. And I didn't know that until I told him what happened to me at age twenty three. I was like, Dad, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but you know, I think i saw a UFO and he's no no, I, I believe that there's something to this, I saw something similar wow. many years ago. So I've come from that family background where it was sort of open to discuss these things. Okay. Uh, and uh and 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 yeah I do think that Sometimes people will have ghostly experiences and then later go on to have like sort of these larger experiences in the sky or it can be vice versa. They will have like a some strange UFO anomaly in the sky type thing and then they'll start having poltergeist experiences mm-hmm. in their home.
0: Yes. Yes. So it,
1: there seems to be some dovetailing between the two. I know there are some people that really want to keep it separate, like oh, you know, people people who believe in ghosts, well, they're they're the crazy people, you know. Right. But obviously, aliens are true. And then there are other people who are like, oh, you know, like we don't want anything to do with these alien nonsense. But you know, obviously, <laughs> most. Are true. So I mean, you know, like I know there are some that would like to keep the topic separate, but I do see them as sort of. There are, when you start removing the narrative of what they could be and just looking at the mechanics behind things, um, ghosts have been seen to, they apparently um, go through walls. Uh, UFO occupants or pilots have been described going through walls. Um, People tend to have uh, UFO experiences in very liminal sort of places, isolated country roads and crossroads, things like that. People tend to see ghosts in very liminal spaces, in staircases, at windows, in doorways, things of that nature. When you start looking at that and even examining more symbolic content between the two sort of experiences, there is a lot they have in common. So I'm not saying they are the same thing, but it's something you can't ignore, you know, in my opinion.
0: Well, you know, and I belong to MUFON and I also belong to a group down here in uh, in South Florida that you know people get together but you know that it's, it's it's about ufo's of course and things of that nature and you know afterwards people will talk and th- there's a good portion of people that after they had some type of encounter or sighting for them with ufo's it's almost like they described to me where things got peculiar in their lives sometimes as far as uh feelings you know and i'm not even i'm not even talking uh alien visitation or abduction just that i want to say like their life got uh especially at night like a paranormal feel to it whether sometimes they 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 had never had ghostly encounters they started seeing sensing things it was like the before and the after of the ufo sighting was a demarcation yes it's like
1: all of a sudden the floodgates of weirdness open yes yes and then and some people do on to have many experiences afterwards. And even with the, the experiences themselves, this is I'm very interested in people who have sort of um, what I would term the high strangeness. Right. Uh, and that would be experiences with UFOs where there is telepathy, where there is a sort of EFP or um, anything that's sort of, you know, to cross over into the paranormal versus just the nuts and bolts sighting of a of a spaceship or a strange
0: light in the sky. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing that for a lot of these people, because I I, I know there's ufologists out there that, like you said, they're into the nuts and bolts, you know, what did it look like? How? What was the angle that it went? Yeah. And that's that's it. That, that event is really what they're interested in, period. Whatever you saw or whatever, or in some cases, if you're lucky enough to be able to have taken a picture of it. But I think there's, a, like I said, more than one person has described that that's happened to them uh, where there's and, and then you think to yourself, OK, was it something around you that was there along? Did something shift in your brain that now you're more aware of these things? Like what, what was what happens to you that allows well, you I- to do that or see that?
1: Yeah, and that, I think, is where some of the has really dropped the ball and just sort of chasing the idea of the UPH and the um, the extraterrestrial hypothesis. And uh, and just a really nuts and bolts sort of tell me, you know, about the craft or tell me about this, as opposed to focusing on the witnesses. And then also trying to kind of bring this type of respectability to the subject where people are genuinely afraid to give the full story. Yes. And I find more that, that this when I go out into the field and I like to talk to people one-on-one in person as opposed to just internet or telephone, then when you're sitting with someone and having a cup of coffee and and you know I try to break the ice with people, um, then they'll start telling me more, and the, the, the experience becomes richer. like they know that they that there might be things then they'll preface it with, you know, I saw this that they died in the sky. Please don't think I'm a crazy person, but then this happened. And that so right. strange thing might be they saw, you know, I, I saw this thing and then I ended up um, on, uh, you know, pulling into my driveway and there was a strange rabbit that was clad and it just yes. kind of popped away. And then and they don't want to say it. And then and obviously it's in some cases with real nuts and bolts people, they don't even want to hear it or they oh, want not that in what they're examining. But I think that that is the key. These little bits of high strangeness, um, seeing owls. Owls tend to play a part uh, in this as well. People will have strange experiences with owls. Really? They, yeah. Um, uh, my friend Mike Fullen uh, has written a book on this, um, which is Messengers, and in, in regards to people that are having experiences uh, with owls. At the time, they're also having UFO experiences. Interesting. And I mean, these are things that nuts and bolts people might want to put aside, but they, to me, they are interesting little um, nuggets of information that when we mm-hmm. take these, they might provide please. Uh, I look at these as almost symbolic uh, in content, perhaps, and, uh, and and as well, like looking at, at the witness and, and what they may be going on, what may be, what's going on in their lives at the time, much like you would uh, in parapsychology with a poltergeist person on the focus of a poltergeist you're going to look at the person and what's going on with them as opposed to just the things that the events that are happening around them, you know, and that might give us some more clues as to, you know, or or at least open up more questions than just the standard nuts and bolts sort of investigation.
0: Yeah, it's exactly because they do kind of like the dragnet, just the facts, ma'am, only the facts. I was like, okay, well, you know what? There's a lot of times what I say is like, It's not maybe only what you saw is how do you feel what did you feel uh versus sometimes even what you thought you know two different things (laughs) two different things you could be thinking one thing about feeling another um Uh and um and and i know it and this has to do a lot that you know i've discussed this uh with other people that you know that we you know a lot of times we think of ufos and extraterrestrials and et cetera as visiting us from outer space as in some type of spaceship, how they do it, who knows. But then we discuss what if they're traveling interdimensionally. And this also accounts for, you know, sightings of cryptids, you know, is, it, is, is there a portal? Is there a rip? Are they coming through and some things are hopping through when they open up to come into our, dim- I mean, it doesn't have to be just a space linear concept of travel.
1: Exactly. And I and I think in my own personal view, it was something that I sort of latched on to very early on with that sort of um, nuts and bolts ETH sort of look at UFOs. Uh because really there wasn't anything else and there wasn't the internet that I, I was very it was such a shock to me. But over time I sort of evolved my views to move away from the ETH. I mean, it still could be something that's alien or extraterrestrial. But in my opinion, whatever it is, is occurring on Earth. It's occurring to human beings and sometimes animals. We should be focusing more on that. It may not be alien at all. Um, recently, I, I just came back um, from a trip to Italy where I was doing research on a group of witches from the Middle Ages that were having experiences that are similar in some ways to the modern Really? Um, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and also in light in the sky. But I, I came across an interesting um, sort of report, it was very well documented by the Catholic Church at the time, it was around the 11th century, where multiple witnesses saw this large dragon, and they describe it as a, you know, it was a dragon in the sky. And apparently it had been terrorizing this town and they managed to um, knock this dragon out down from the sky. And I'm uh, and, and, and assuming they killed it, but I, I mean, that part I'm not clear on. But when you start breaking down the idea that these are people living, you know, in medieval yes. science, and we're talking about a flying dragon, it starts taking on very much the same narrative of a UFO shoot sure. down or a UFO crash. Um, exactly. So I used to think that people were maybe mistaking spaceships. For, um and, and just using the language of their time to describe things, but I've exactly. I've, really, I've changed my mind though on that. I now think these people were describing exactly what they were seeing. Right. But it's the phenomena itself that has changed its form. A, a spaceship is more palatable to a 21st century world that is oriented towards you know space travel and space exploration. Um, people today. You can talk to people. The majority of people on the street will probably tell you that they believe in aliens or the possibility of life outside of this planet, ahead of say angels or dragons or things of that nature. So I have to wonder if perhaps it is the phenomena that's changed how we perceive it through our human lenses, as just these people back in time making a misperception. Like I it's just, it's, I'm just speculating, but. this type of trying to turn things around in our minds and perhaps ask different questions that might you know move these sort of studies forward at least i think so
0: and you also have to think that let's say let's go to like to that example that you gave medieval times you know anything secular was you you could the next thing you know you're burning at the stake as a heretic so what if these people were couching it in the safest way possible that the church would say okay Can you imagine you're describing something that is really, really, truly otherworldly, you know? So it's like, okay, we saw something. Let's just call it a dragon and that way it'll be safe. And, you know, the church will say, oh, you know, maybe from the devil or say, you know, because back then everything had to be, you know, if you wanted to stay on the right side of that, you didn't want to stray too far from Something that, the, like you said, that the Catholic religion could say, oh, okay, we know what that is. That's a dragon, and God knows what interpretation they gave. I don't know if you want, if you ever, you know, if they just documented it or gave any explanation to the people that lived there, but it was a safe interpretation. Maybe there were people there looking at this thing and going, what in the, you know, in other words, they knew perfectly well that it wasn't a dragon, but.
1: Well, like, well exactly. I mean, that, that is a possible scenario. It's also possible that they were just they, they were experiencing it because they were pulling from their own sort of knowledge. And oh yeah, possible. of
0: course. Like I you know exactly. If you see something, and let's face it, back then maybe the closest, and, and I imagine back in medieval times, you your your general population did not have access to books or or were literate for that fact. So then maybe they just heard about a dragon that spits out. You know, what's what's the characteristics of a dragon that flies around and. Eats people exactly. and maybe breathes fire, whatever. And like you said, maybe this is like okay, it's it's in it's flying, it's weird. Oh, that must be a dragon. So that's very possible. Exactly.
1: So I mean, um, I, in my opinion, the one thing that that is that we can, you know, as, as researchers, that we can agree on is the fact that these experiences have been occurring. And we, since written record of, of humanity, like people have been describing ghosts people have been describing UFO-type experiences and other sorts of strange sort of crypto-like things. I mean, uh, and, and speaking of the cryptos, they too, with Bigfoot, I was talking with my friend uh, Josh Kutchen, who um, contributed to a, a volume, I think it was called Not about Bigfoot. And he was drawing parallels between Bigfoot and winterguts, the strange smells that are produced by Bigfoot, the knock. That you hear in the in, in, in that are associated with them, like you hear these strange knots, like wraps. That's something that you also find in poltergeist cases, these strange wraps. Um, so there's there's evidence there to sort of say maybe there's some correlation as well. And he he actually calls bigfoot sort of like the uh, the poltergeist of the forest. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Why not?
1: Why not? So I mean, there are these. They, they may or may not be related. But when you start, again, stripping away the storyline um, that's identifying and just looking at these sorts of things that people are describing would not strange smells, these things, they, they, they also occur with uh, UFOs. Yes, People describe the pilots of UFOs as smelling almost sulfuric, almost demonic. Really? Um, and they behave sometimes in ways that people would describe as demons or demonic and that they You know, they they behave almost like an old peg where there's there's, there's pressure on the chest and there's sort of sexual interference and all these sorts of things that you can go back in time and say, hey, if you just remove the word demon and insert alien, it sounds similar. Or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like Yes,
0: yes, exactly. Like that. that. If you weren't looking at, it's more the description of the experience versus what's actually causing it. They're very similar. Mm -hmm. And... And this is, and um, and I want to say that I, I guess there's two types of experiences along those lines. I want to say there's like a very impersonal one, which is where you see something, for example, whether it's the light or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's the extent of it. That's that's all that happens. You you wig out because of course you, you know, after you check off all the plausible stuff, you know that th- this is something that doesn't belong there but that's the end of it but then there's other people that it just you know then you go into the persons that then they um have abduction uh either recall of abductions or visitations at night uh like in other words their their life is meshed up into that ufo et experience um like i said okay you know what okay let's say you do have somebody who's not well as mental illness and they describe this and I'm sure that that accounts for some but there's too many people uh describing or recalling experiences like that sometimes since childhood for them all of all of them to be uh you know having a hallucination or anything like that
1: well um, yeah I think that that is really a lazy sort of interpretation from um certain skeptical quarters which are not even really being skeptical they're not questioning, they're just, they're auto-denying.
0: Right. Um, and
1: so mental illness is thrown out, mass hallucination is often thrown out, things are mass hysteria and different things. And, and often, I actually chuckle at some of this stuff, because it really doesn't fit what people are experiencing and what they're saying. Uh, the same with the UFOs, people will will try to, you know, explain away other people's experiences that they're like, you know, they're stupid, like they don't know what a plane looks like. I mean, we, we've had aviation now for more than 100 years. Exactly. Uh, people know, most people know when they look up in the sky what a plane is. There's a difference between a plane and something mm-hmm. very strange and anomalous. Um, the thing is, is that all these subjects are, they, well, they're very subjective experiences. So we, it's best, I think, in my opinion, to sort of examine the one tangible component of all of it. and that is the human being a part of the story. Uh, because a human being has had some very strange experience. I and mean, they're describing it the best they can through a very human lens. Sure. Um, and sure. that to me is the most interesting thing. So I, I like to tell people that when you're telling me your experience, there's no judgment there. I I don't care how wild and 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 your story seems to sound or how you feel. I feel that 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 it is that 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 those absurd details, those little details that that just make the whole thing absurd, that that may be the key to helping us unlock some of this. Those really absurd little things that happen that people tend to shy away from. You know? Like they they will they, they'll, they'll be ha- they'll happy to say the basic story, but then when they get to that little point of very high strangeness, they they try to hold back because they you know I I can't count how many times people say please don't judge me please don't crazy and I, I I truly I genuinely feel bad because you know people shouldn't have to feel that way they're describing exactly what they've experienced and. In doing this now for more than 20 years, I would say the vast majority of people are honest and yes. they're not fellishing and they're not, they just, exactly. need, they just need somebody to say, you know, yeah, that's weird. I I, I can't answer any of these questions. I can, I always tell people I'll never be able to give you 100% foolproof answer. I don't know what these things are, but I do know they exist. I do know they happen to be. And they, and it's across the board, you know. Crazy people don't question their sanity; they, they
0: don't. Exactly, exa- <laughs> right, exactly. And 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 lots of times when these people have these experiences, they they themselves are trying to. They're they're wanting to find a rational explanation for it. They're like yeah. really trying to find like something that I can say, oh, okay, that's it's okay, you know. It's like oh, it's a whatever. Yeah. Uh, before they come up against the wall and realize, okay none of that fits so what's left is this other explanation that this isn't a a ufo uh, whatever the case might be you know and and depending also what where people live if it's a rural or an urban area and i tell people like you know a lot of these uh sightings of whether there were extraterrestrials or ufos from ancient times or earlier times you know people don't realize back then there was something like this would be very visible. There was not a lot of the artificial lighting that we have, let's say in the night sky, for example. Um, Anything that you would see back then, you would notice it. You would see it. It would be very difficult not to see it. So when they described certain things certain ways, it's not like, okay, I'm confusing it with what. There was nothing there. There was no airplanes. There was no artificial lighting. The skies were very dark. Uh, yes. and you had just basically starlight and maybe moonlight if the moon was out, depending on, you know, where it was at, but that was about it. So when things, people saw this, especially at night, it was, they had a pretty clear view of what they were seeing and what, what they were describing.
1: Yes. And they, and they were describing, I believe, exactly what they were seeing. Um, at least that's what, what my, my sort of working sort of, uh, idea is going with what people were seeing back then, how they were describing how they were using um art and that to explore these ideas of the sacred and their experiences with these types of strange anomalies um and and it is it is true like today people tend to be very distracted right. they tend to you know be more looking at their phone than say the night yes. so I often wonder as well has, has the um sort of uh, Phenomena itself sort of changed itself in it, it, its behavior. Like now we see a lot of shadow people. Yes. Shadow people are, are, are often reported. But if you look back to the literature, um, like through this, this slide, it's like research and other um, literature going back pre internet days, pre computers, and that you really don't see much. You might get like a shadowy mass Right or something like that. But now we have like fully formed sort of shadow beings. And I often wonder if this has something to do with the age that we're living in, like the information age. And I'll try to I'll try to bring my ideas up so that they make okay. some sort of sense, I hope. But I'm kind of thinking perhaps because the shadow people really have no discernible features. Um, sometimes we could maybe guess at their gender, but beyond that, they don't really have discernible features. They're shadowy. They're 2D almost. Right. Um, Is this a reflection of more the the way we are relating towards other human beings through the internet? Which is very two-dimensional. Is this sort of, now the phenomena itself sort of um, gaining our attention, so to speak, or displaying in the way that we're sort of living in the modern age? Uh, This is
0: just a thought that I'm throwing out there. Right, right. I know what you're saying. And and I know exactly what you mean. Like, all of a sudden, this becomes everybody... Is it had this experience, but if like you said, prior to a certain time period it like was relatively unheard of. Yeah, I
1: mean there are there's always exceptions to
0: these rules. I'm sure
1: that you know somebody out there might say, Hey, but I found this and it was in a text from like eighteen hundred. But for the vast majority, no. It's like pre sort of um nineteen eighties you really don't see shadow people being talked about. People were describing ghosts in a different way. And now the, the majority of uh reports and things that I'm seeing are more oriented towards the shadow.
0: People. Right. So I I just It's it's that. almost like they're well and, and, and I'm going to give you an example and I tell, you know, this is uh this is back to, like you said pre advent of the internet. This was back to, like during the light like, 1980s. And I had mm-hmm. a coworker of mine and I was in my 20s and she was a little bit younger and she starts telling me now she lived in a two bedroom apartment uh well, her, her, by the time we were having this conversation, her mom had passed away, but with her dad. And this is like in the suburb of Miami. Very, very modern setting, in other words. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about ghosts and stuff like that. And she tells me how when she's a teenager, in her bedroom one day, she wakes up. And and this is in relations to, you know, one of these phenomena that they call hat man, which sometimes yeah. goes hat in, hand in hand with a shadow man. Yeah. So she's telling me how one day she wakes up And she sees at the foot of her bed the equivalent of almost like a shadow man, but he has a top hat on. And I remember looking at her going, he had a what on? Like, where was he going? To the opera? A top hat? Like, it was, I've never forgotten it just because her description was so out of place. And obviously she did not know. She says Uh that when she woke up, she says that it was such a horrible feeling of dread that it was she says she just covered like a lot of people do they just she just covered her head up and oh, she, she started praying you. you know like and as a matter of fact like within a year her mom passed away her mom had a heart condition her mom passed away and everything and I remember this because like you said later on when this thing came on like shadow man and then hat man I was like wait a minute she's telling me this story back in the 1980s because it was such a weird Event and of all things, to have a man or like like a type of shadow man with a top hat, it's like of all the yeah. things that you would think that she would see, that would be exactly it. that's
1: a that, that is a strange one.
0: Yes, um,
1: I, I did one of the first ghost uh investigations I did um back in the 90s, uh, was at a hotel and uh, it very haunted hotel here in uh, the toronto area called the Hill Inn it, it, at the time um, was still operational uh, and now it's sort of it's semi-operational uh it was shut down for many many years and it was left in a very decrepit state but just before prior to that i was able to get in there it was a historic hotel um overlooking lake ontario so very picturesque a uh, lot of art in that it and its was sort of very ambient to sort of the place but it, the hotel was haunted and the thing that's that interested me the most was this experience of uh, a young sous chef who was apprenticing that summer and the hotel because of its beautiful grounds was host to many weddings and the chef his experience that he was saying he was in the kitchen one day and he was uh chopping vegetables when this man walks in from the side door and he's in a whole sort of like dark black suit uh, with this large sort of and he described it as an Abraham Lincoln. Prophet. Okay. I thought, okay. Well, that's odd. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, and and then he said that at first he was like, you know, you know, why is this person here? And then he thought, well, maybe it was a wedding guest or someone from a wedding party that had accidentally come in the staff area in the kitchen area. And, he, you know, you can't really be in here. No, no, you're going to have to go away. So this man apparently walked through this open door, walked through the entire kitchen area, negotiating all these counters with his vegetables and prep stuff. with. And he said, what really tweaked him out is that as he watched this man and he was going to say, hey, you know, you can't be in this area, he seemingly walked through a closed door. Oh. This chef was just totally bored. And he said, it took him about a minute to just sort of recover himself. And he, he went out and he opened this door. He went running out. this hallway, always this reception area of this hotel. Uh, looking, for, where is this person? And he asked me at the time, the person who was working at the reception, that had you seen this man, this tall man walk by with this big, you know, Abraham Lincoln top hat. And, uh, and, and she was saying no. And, and he swore that there was no way that anyone could get in and out of that area without walking past the reception area. So he had assumed it was one of the hotel's many ghosts. And he was so unnerved by the experience. He was only apprenticing there for a summer that he managed to do a few more shifts and then he took his job. He left. Um, it, 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 it unnerved him that much. but... It wasn't until a few years after that had been sort of investigated that hotel and it had closed down and that, that this idea of this, this hat man uh, sprung up all over the internet, and I, I always wondered if perhaps what this man saw was somehow related to that. But I, I have also talked to other people who have seen sort of hat men, stick men, and things like that that seem to be an internet phenomenon, but right. they... There are, other, are always examples of these types of things free to that. So I, I have to wonder if it's somehow related, or, you know, in the case that you were describing it was maybe some sort of a harbinger or, an, or
0: more of an archetype than a
1: spirit or something
0: like that. Right. So that which, uh, which even when you think about it, it's like... Mm, I, uh, it's like oh, okay, because it's it's almost like, I, and I know what you're saying. It's like you would think something like this, if if it would have been seen, even let's say pre-internet, you know, turn of the century, th- there would have been somebody saying, you know, writing a story uh, about describing that ghost that looked like a whatever. And um, yeah, and they,
1: seem to, they there seem to be some that 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 follow this sort of. Um, archetype of, of you, know, you have a lot of women in black women right in white, women in green um right. sort of apparition uh or, or sort of these specific type of apparitions and then there are other ones that you really don't have like i don't think i've come across any modern sort of chain rattling ghosts no you kind of right right in exactly yeah, like... yeah yeah the texts of that era that sort of you know um describe that sort of thing you don't really see them anymore in the
0: in the um, modern day and age if if you remember like uh earlier this well turn of this well not the century <laughs> i forget <laughs> but turn of the century you know with spiritualism where um all these uh psychics would have to were producing ectoplasm out of different places in their bodies and it was like this was the norm when you were doing some type of spirit contact and i was like man that's that's that that's that that stopped in other words but that was like part of the proof that you were having some type of uh like that this was a real psychic event or contact with the dead was that they could produce ectoplasm yes
1: and that is sort of um when you look at that, there were so many at the time that were sort of busted as hoaxes yes. and that it, that it was a form of trickery like that they were using. But then there are other cases that are not so easy to, to sort of debunk or put aside. And there is a sort of tradition, almost a magical tradition behind that in the trickery where you can have these sorts of characters that we doing in like some of these physical regions where, yes, there was hoax to be involved, but there was also real sci, real psychic things happening around mm-hmm. it. Um, it, It's like with, for instance, Madame Blavatsky and others of that era, that yes, there there's some of the things you can look at and think, okay, there, there's some chicanery going on here. But perhaps from that chicanery itself springs forth some of this magic or some of these psychic things that do happen that make you scratch your head and go, wait a second. So, we can debunk some of this, but other stuff is not so easily explained. And that is true even of, of shamanic practices and shaman going back to ancient times where you have sort of this idea of trickery or this trickster like aspect of, right. uh, of, of, the, of this particular partic- uh, practitioner or you know, in a medium or psychic medium that may be producing ectoplasm, Um but also having strange other things like apparitions, things also occurring that are not so easily written off or explained
0: away. Yeah. Well, you, I, and I kind of have a theory on this, and this is what I tell you because the supernatural is not an on-demand event. Just like if you are psychic or you have mediumship abilities, and let's say you were one of these people that were basically were paying your bills. Let's say mm-hmm. you were one. You were holding seances and you were paying your bills. You might really have been a legitimate psychic or a medium, but maybe it was not something that you could do every day or on certain days. You were just not feeling well, but here you are, you got to pay your bills. You got to keep a roof over your head. So maybe there were times that people, they fell back onto, like you said, tricks, but that didn't mean that they weren't real. It's just like there were human beings where it was like, I'm tired, or I just can't do this today, or I feel sick, but... I've got a room full of people expecting some type of spirit communication.
1: Well, yeah. And, and the thing too, is that it's, it, it's not necessarily, um, like I think that it is actually part of the phenomenon itself because when you look at some of the poltergeist focuses as well, mm-hmm. um, going back in time, there was a famous per-psychologist, Nandor Fodor, and he wrote extensively about how these people would have genuine sort of these sometimes very frightening psychic-type experiences as filter bias. And then later they would go on to hoax. And some, in some cases he thought they, they didn't even realize they were hoaxing; They were just doing it almost by rote. So okay. there's like readings of so psychological reasons as to why that might be. But I think that in fact the entire all these sort of paranormal subjects have sort of tricksterish like things about them. Uh, there's a book called uh, The Trickster and the Paranormal by George Hanson, George P. Hansen, and I highly, highly recommend it okay. to anybody who's both or into psychic or into UFOs. Uh, it, it's a very sort of heavy, it's a manual sort of book, but it gets into all these subjects and he really has done a lot of research, including in skeptics. And how they too produce trickery. James Randi was known for fudging his numbers. uh, There was this famous case where, you know, he had this break with psychops because he literally cooked the books more or less. Right. His million-dollar prize—it is designed never to be won, and he he knew that. Okay. Like he knows. Um, Yes. So I mean, there's trickery there as well. So this is—it's a very interesting book to say that this these experiences are real. They do happen to people. People have experienced those. Yes. So real but there's this trickery. that's also, when you start examining people that have these experiences, when you start examining professional sort of psychics and things like that, there is always that trickster element, that pixie-ishness that,
0: that, that
1: seems to be running through all of this as well.
0: Right. You know? Exactly, I mean, and, and, and 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 let me tell you that I I I want to say like in part of part of what you're saying the human you know our egos let's say if let's say if you have some type of fame attached to your name that let's say well like you said Harry Price when he was doing the investigation of Borley Rectory yeah and you know you're supposed to be preeminent and hey if you're investigating it's like watch out can you imagine you walk away and say I, I didn't nothing happened <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> well that's true. And, and and that's the thing. None of these things happen on cue. This is why right. we can't, you know, like, like they, they have a lot of wonderful work in the pair labs on, on parapsychology and the Divine Institute and that lab work. But overall, these things are very spontaneous. They, they just don't happen on cue. So yes. there is always that sort of spontaneous, tricksterish, sort of pixie type thing that surrounds all of these. Thing, but, you know, you never hear of somebody who actually wills the ghost and the ghost
0: appears. It's always
1: at some strange moment where you're not expecting it and the camera's not handy. Oh, God, or, that
0: is very common.
1: Or, you know, or the recorder's not, you know, handy. Like, there's a famous sort of poltergeist case that I remember from Britain. Um, John and Ann Spencer had investigated it where they had this whole house wired up with uh, recording equipment Uh, And and they had the people out, they had the house sealed. uh, And lots of, lots of physical phenomena had been occurring there. They get into the house uh, about five minutes after they, because we were going back into the days of analog, analogs, and had these, you know, tapes and things like that. They come in, and there's this large, heavy ceramic duct that had been on the fireplace, and it was now sitting in the middle of the floor. So, but you know what? The tapes never caught it, because the camera had stopped and mm-hmm. so they figured that within that five minute window of them the camera's stopping and then them going to go and flip tapes and, and do what they had to do this is when the, the strange thing occurred it's almost as if there's that cheeky sort of yes. tricksterish like ha ah, ah, ha ah, ha you know right this is, you're 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 you're, gonna, you're trying to catch some proof as far as photographs are concerned and it's not going to happen um yes. you know
0: <laughs> Well, you know be- what? There's been more than one paranormal team who, like you said, that they've rolled out all their all the stuff that, I was going to call it something, all the equipment that they have nowadays for, and nothing happens or very, and as soon as they start breaking stuff down, like, just like you said, their disc- stuff is disconnected and turned off, then they yeah. hear, like, with their own ears, it's like, oh my God, you know, they'll hear footsteps, they, some type of phenomena. they're like, what? And it's like, okay, exactly like what you said. Now I know that there's like, ha, ha, ha. Guess who has the last laugh?
1: (laughs) Exactly, it's like it's the same thing as people trying to collect EVP. It always seems to either come in bisecting somebody's uh, conversation or after something happens, after the cameras are are, are put away or the equipment's passed away and people are, you know, having their coffee and chit-chatting, then that's when something happens. it's funny because I think as well of the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, the billionaire uh, Robert Bigelow had spent a lot of money with him he Hired some of the best scientists in the country. Uh, he, you know, they, they had all this top end equipment, and they were you know day and night trying to record things in this ranch that has had some very very strange and often frightening yes. uh, paranormal phenomena. And yet, none of these scientists were ever able to get any concrete evidence. Right. But but many of them went on to have very frightening sort of experiences, like seeing sort of like these balls of light with these strange sort of beams coming from the ball of light, and you know paddle mutilations and other strange, really bizarre things going on there. And yet with all this heavy duty scientific stuff, they weren't able to. It's almost as if it's one step ahead, or it's it's sort of confusing you like. You
0: know, haha! You can have all this, but you're not going to touch me. <laughs> Let me ask you. Now that you mentioned, now that you brought up Skinwalker Ranch, the last thing I heard, and I haven't kept up with it lately, was that they had basically stopped bringing in teams because a lot of the phenomena had moved away, like it had stopped, kind of. And they were hoping that by closing it down, in other words, and not allowing people to run around trying to capture evidence that whatever phenomena was there would start returning. Uh, yeah,
1: and I think that it's under, if someone new owns it now, it is private property, right. um, so people can't just, just come up and visit, yes. but I mean, it is under new sort of ownership, and, and my, what I sort of heard is that, that things are going on there still, um, okay. but the, the, the scientific sort of side of it, I don't know if it's still that's going on, but I do know that a lot of what was published by uh, Bigelow's team and and Nib, they they really they had nothing concrete because it kept changing it? right right it's not, yes not like it was reoccurring all the time in the same place every day and so they they can do their sort of scientific measurements and analysis it was you know it was happening in different ways into different people and sometimes
0: actually following them home right um, and and, and they, obviously what the, what happened originally with the family before they. You know, when they first started having their experiences, which was like when you, when you hear what they went through, it's like wow. You know, they weren't out there. They they're ranchers. You know, they're not walking around yeah. with, with cameras trying to capture evidence. They're just they can't figure out what's going on. But it was very yeah. unusual what was going on there on that piece of land.
1: And apparently, even before, it was the, it was the Navajo people that had um, sort of investigated themselves and said there was just something really um unholy or something wrong with that area that placement of land or something there is very you know it's not happening obviously there's a lot of negative experiences that people are having there so you know but that's just one more example of that sort of tricksterish like thing it's like um as well with the ghost hunting shows the yugua to very real locations but a lot of the stuff that you're seeing, obviously, is not happening as there isn't being so great. It's because yeah. it's, it's, it's not like, you know, you can, a ghost is going to be like a trained seal and you just do what it, you tell it to do, right? Or a dog. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so there is that element of trickery there, even though it is a real haunted location. You know, even though some of the information may be correct and true, you have to look at it because there's that entertainment aspect to sure. it. That that, that is, of course, blends in with the idea of trickery or entertainment or sort of, you know.
0: Uh, right. We just like, we, we spent all this time there. and We got, oh, your show is running around. It's talking to thin air and nothing happens. It's like, oh, that's the end of that show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's well, I always like them to travel logs more than anything because they do go to these places that are very mm-hmm. interesting. You know, right. uh, many of us will never have the chance to go to. But at the
0: same point you can't expect that
1: something is going to happen on the queue it just doesn't work properly
0: you know you're spontaneous and you're least expecting well it's one of those things where again um anybody that's ever worked in this field for any length of time realizes that the chances sometimes you're lucky i'm not going to say there's people sometimes that go there the first time the first occasion and they actually experience something that that happens but sometimes as a matter of fact i say in a lot of these just let's say on a historical site i say usually the the best people that have actual true experiences are either the docents or the tour guides or the people that go there day after day for an extended period of time yeah they are the ones that really truly have a long list of stories uh if they haven't seen it they've heard it you know sensations because it could go Go days sometimes and months and nothing really happens and then something does or sometimes things happen very early uh i I, or very late it's almost like whatever is there is shying away from a lot of human traffic yeah Uh, and it's almost like once to disappear for lack of a better word while a bunch of people are running around trying to capture evidence or just walking around even if it's a tour uh going back to the, some of these shows that it's almost like, yeah, I'm not going to say they don't capture stuff, but uh, sometimes it's like you're, they're too lucky as far as being able to capture as much as they do the one time or the days that they're there. It's just it doesn't
1: well, exactly. work that way. And then it's, it's hard too. And, you know, if, if you've been on, 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 like, a television set or a film shoot or whatever and you've got lights and you have equipment and you have this, sure. you, have, you know, it's not like... Um, you know, like the security guard is sitting alone and after hours in these places and it's dead quiet and nobody's yes. around and they can be very observant, um, you're far more likely after the lights go down and people go away, if you're by yourself, you're the yes. of maybe footsteps that are disembodied
0: or hear mm-hmm.
1: are found or see something under your corner of your eye that turns around to be something you can't explain, whereas in a crowd, I mean, It could be happening in the crowd but we just we are distracted we wouldn't know because there's just too much else going on we're not in tune in that sort of zone i find when i've had sort of psychic intuitions or experiences or i have seen emotions before um if i'm in a sort of mental zone that i wouldn't say normally be if i'm just doing my daily grocery shopping or whatever where i'm sort of in that forefront of mind in consciousness yeah. where i'm concentrating in the physical world through my day-to-day business versus sort of being in a, in a location that has that ambiance and i'm sort of in tune with it when i am that's when i find that i have something happen versus you know everyday sort of life or even trying that's when I, i've been on many ghost vigils and, and just the idea and the excitement of being somewhere haunted and that and then it's always like i said it's it's at the end of the vigil, when equipment's being passed away, and you're joking around saying, "Oh, we are going to blah blah blah,
0: yeah. or, or what, and then something happens, and you're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. I, I, I've been on investigations where you know, you know, we don't. I would say, you know, let's let's meet at the you know there's a you know when we were coming in here you know there's a gas station in the corner No, let's not talk here in front of the the client's house you know they don't a lot of time people don't want anybody to know that they're doing this so i would say you know or you know there's a burger king let's just be in the park whatever and we would do like a real quick you know meeting there it's like hey what did you think whatever you know this was before you had a chance to look at any of the stuff and you wouldn't be surprised when we would be standing around there how many times We would get weird stuff happening around us right after. Like I said, it was usually a short distance away from where we had been at. And it was, I was the first one that I would sage down my car because I didn't want hitchhikers. And I tell them, you know, a lot of times, you know, everybody's always thinking about if, let's say, if there was any type of entity or anything there to begin with, whatever. Let's let's uh I go. Sometimes the very act that you've got a group of people, some of them possibly sensitive, that you're out there either trying to do spirit communication or you just you're just there looking for it, you are going to bring in other entities which are not bound, but which are desperate to make communication somehow. Yes, to hang out. It's and yeah, it, sometimes it's like yeah, or you might have got to a place that really does not have any type of paranormal activity, or if it is, it's residual. But you've basically some you've collected a couple of them that are like oh my god hey that you know i think they can see us or hear us or they look they, they want to talk to us and a lot of times we had some really weird experiences uh right after we got out of there that we would look at each other like shadows we would see shadows hear stuff uh we would hear depending especially if it was later at night uh you know when everything is quieted down uh we would hear like a far off like you know, some people talking, but when you can't make out, we'd look at each other and we'd look and there's nobody there. Like, okay, if you look around that bush where you would think just like, so what was it that you heard? And a lot of times we would be talking amongst ourselves and then we'd all quiet down like, Hey, who, you know, who's, who are those people talking?
1: Yeah.
0: And then we'd look around and look everywhere. (laughs) There's nobody around us. Oh, wow. That's, you know, and it's like,
1: it's show. I've actually just listening. maybe I've gotten a little chill from yeah. That. yeah. It, uh, I, I had experiences like that as well with um two ladies that I investigated a, a ghost road it was a spook lights, but we did have many other sort of strange experiences on that ghost road, including things like that, like you know, when we we're be talking about ourselves and then in the distance the sort of lights that um were not the spook light of something else or or they, you know, hearing whispering or things that just really were, you, you kind of know that it doesn't mean something else, it's otherworldly, it's not a, this sort of normal reality, day-to-day
0: reality we're living in, it's something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. this is, yeah, this is, um, and and, uh, and and I that's one of the things that I, I want to say that a lot of times they really don't identify a lot in some of these shows, which is where you do sometimes have interaction from entities or discarnates, which have nothing whatsoever to do with the place they're at. Nothing. They're just yeah. so desperate for acknowledgement or communication or whatever yeah. that they just show up like, yeah, here I am, you know. Um, That's the thing, right? If
1: you look so far into the abyss, you will start looking back at you. Yes. And it, it may not be what you're expecting. Oh absolutely not. Absolutely not. Something completely different. So it, that's a thing too. Like, um, one of the things I do because it's part of my own spirituality now is I try to do this cleansing kind of thing myself. I try to ground myself, um, after doing these types of studies even just studying them and try to take many breaks so that I'm just not fully becoming obsessed into them. Um, I think that's important as well. Uh, you know, for people that are, are pursuing these things, it's it, 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 to take those breaks away from it because if you get too involved,
0: like you yes. said, you don't yes. know. Right. Of and Some of them and a funny. lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. This work, if if you get into this, like I said, even if you go to a place that, when you get there, like I said, there's nothing there. There just isn't, you know, it's either they've got an animal trap, the wind, the vent, whatever. Someone don't even have residual. I tell and I told everybody and you know I've been doing this for a really long time um I said sometimes I knew when I was gonna get a case why well, i had a um I had my office in like an, i had a i had like a a detached garage which I had converted to like an office and one of the windows was that frosted glass and a lot of times I would sit there especially later on because it was just quiet and I was working on stuff and sometimes I would see shadows move back and forth and by the way the other side of this frosted glass was like a little Cement paveway, I had. I had my trash cans there. In other words, nobody was walking around there. It wasn't on the street, it was towards the back side of my house. And I got to the point where I realized if I saw a couple of shadows flicking back and forth, I knew that within the most a week, uh, we were going to get contacted for a case. And as a matter of fact, that was my first tip off that there was something there having to do as far as an intelligent haunting with that case. In other words, it doesn't work on that straight time linear stuff that we're so uh, accustomed to. Um, yes, it's pretty cognitive almost.
1: Yes. And this, this yes. happens with UFOs as well. Yes. Um, and,
0: and historical UFOs, like, I
1: immediately started thinking about the Swedish Rockets case where people were describing these rockets as UFOs uh, a few years before the rockets were actually invented and operational. It's the same with sort of the airships, the airships that people were describing in Texas and that uh, were where where the actual airships were flying. So it's almost as if there's a precognition, like a nonlinear sort of uh, time frame. And it it is the same, I think, with ghosts as well. Uh, It's not bound. They are not bound by uh, the same uh, space time that we are
0: right the way we look at it that you know like the hours days whatever and one day follows the other it's like sometimes they especially you know in another dimension we're thinking i mean "Mm, this is all like we have i have no idea but yeah a lot of things like that and you're absolutely right when you do this type of work you have got to have very strong boundaries between that work and your regular life because of not you can run into some real big problems more than sometimes people suspect, especially in this age of reality TV, where everybody's like, "Oh my God, that's that's so exciting!" And it's like, "Yeah, it is sometimes, but you got to be really careful at the same time."
1: Yes, exactly, and it, and it is that that thrill that is, is, I think, what drives a lot of us because it is, it is, it is fun, it is, it is fascinating. Yes, but at the same time, if you make it your entire being, then people do start. It starts to break down people's psyche. People yes. Getting divorced. People oh get up yes. People lose their jobs. They go on to 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 form cults or whatever. But I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's important I think that people realize that that they they need to reorient themselves. To yes. be so proud. I I like to turn ground away from you know. And I, I usually know when I'm starting to get to a certain point in life. I just walk away, and I have to go shopping for shoes or something. Right, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know, when the, hotel the going gets tough, thing. the
0: tough go shopping. I mean, yeah. tell you something, that's and a you great.
1: You have to be a normal person, right? You have to be a normal person.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I tell her, you know, it, it, and I say, you know, uh, because of course, I mean, you know, cultures. Everybody has a different. Say, but a lot of the old. These sometimes some cultures still have it. You know, when somebody died, and I go, there's a reason for it. Where number, either one. They, you were prohibited from speaking about that person for X amount of time or mentioning their name. They would yeah. uh, burn their things. I mean, and if you look at it, basically they were ghost busting. They were yeah. afraid of this ghost of this family member coming back. So they, you know, you couldn't even talk about that person. You couldn't keep any of their belongings. Uh, this was, and, and it, what they were trying to do was in case you decide to come back, we're going to try very hard for you not to come back,
1: yes. And that's kind of the, the, the thing with feng shui, too. like, you yes. know, if you're moving into a home and you suspect it's haunted, you may want to put the bed in the non logical position in the room or not where it would have been for traditionally, or, or move chairs about or whatever. Um, because you want to sort of disorient the ghost or that, but sort of yes. thinking, you know. so
0: right and which is and there's, there's
1: something to it there is
0: something to it right and and, and i mean and, and you know we could go into you know why why would they bury criminals and hangings and gibbets at the crossroads so that the spirits of these murderers would not be able to follow anybody home besides the fact that you were being buried on unconsecrated ground you know that back when that was allowed that was like oh that's bad you know uh but yeah. the idea was not to have the spirit or the ghost of this murderer be able to follow anybody home, and and I mean it's crossroads magic. I mean there's a lot of reasons why, you know, whether it's accurate or not. But yeah, it's almost like like you said, a way of tricking this spirit to kind of lose track of you.
1: Yeah, and well, then there's a lot of folklore too that, that shows ghosts appearing at crossroads, but also uh, actual UFO reports. UFOs appear sort of acrossroads or sort of liminal spaces between say. Like a river and a mountain, or, or places like that, that you know are are in between. They're in between almost this world and another world. They're in an in between space, like a window or a doorway or things like that, and stairways and hallways. You know, it's it's not often you see them, like as, you know, being reported as just sitting on the sofa. <laughs> you know, yes. so usually somewhere in a very liminal space and in a in a liminal frame of mind, like they, you know, the, the idea. You know renovations and stuff like that, promoting uh, those things, the houses in, in between the states. So and that's why I recommended the tricks for the paranormal. Yeah, home.
0: I'm gonna look that up. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 and that that makes a pretty, lot of yeah. sense yeah. M- m- within a, anybody that's actually done this, worked yeah. in this. You 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 you've come up you come across that more than once where you go, God, it's like, man, who's having a laugh at my expense? Exactly. But anyway, Sue, I wanted to thank you so very much for spending this time tonight. It has been absolutely fascinating to speak to you. And for my podcast listeners, if you could give out your website address. Oh,
1: absolutely. If people want to find me and they can sort of sneak through my little online cover here. My website is called Out of My Mind Eye. And uh yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is, it's supposed to be cheeky. And it is Susan. Layer, so, susanstclai dot and mm-hmm. I have uh, I have YouTube, I have a whole bunch of really and things that I'm working on. So there's a little bit for everybody in there, from Perfect. you know magical studies to UFOs to
0: parapsychology. Perfect. I I will I will I'll make sure to also include a link to directly to your website on the credits of the show. But again. Thank you so very much it has been absolutely fascinating to speak to you
1: thank you and have a good
0: night good night take care okay. bye bye so what'd you think what let me tell you something see this is why i like talking to people because there's, there's always it. people have that different angle that 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 trickster aspect i'm gonna get that book i'm gonna get that book and i want to talk about it in another show once i read upon it because it, it resonates it resonates like i said when you've done this work for a while and you've had enough experiences or stuff happens that you know when it happens once eh, you're like oh, okay well um, you know my it, you kind of <laughs> but when you start doing this a while and certain things happen and the timing on it is like, are you kidding me? You realize, okay, this is not happenstance. This is not coincidentally that this didn't work out in my favor, like they said, after I put together, put everything away or, or, uh, you know, I'm driving away. It's like, there's too much of an intelligence for lack of a better word, as to the timing on it. And it's almost like, ha, ha, ha. Exactly like what she said, like a trickster or somebody wanting to have the last laugh, or uh, just when you're thinking, oh, you know what, there's nothing here, and I didn't pick up anything, nobody even got even a goose pimple on their stuff, like, that's it, nothing happened, which, by the way, when you do this enough times, you know, that that doesn't, that's not really an arbiter of no, nothing there, because like I said, you could go sometimes, and nothing happens, doesn't mean nothing's there, but let's say you go there, and nothing happens, so you're, let's face it we're human beings so you're already going in the direction of like mm, okay let's see but anyway but you don't have nothing to show for the time you spent there no no weird feelings no difference in temperatures no any nothing caught on cameras or film or uh if you have any evp sometimes you don't have time really to to review them while you're there but still sometimes you go to places and you, i mean you go into the front door and it hits you like a and then right after you've put everything away and you're ready to leave, I, I've had this experience where all of a sudden you're hearing footsteps upstairs and there's nobody upstairs. <laughs> and everybody like looks at each other and it's like, okay, you heard that. You're about the only thing you have is, did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. I heard that too. And it's like, uh, it's, oh, nothing, you know, nothing at all and sometimes this will coincide with what the people that are living there have described that's happened. Um, I mean there's the same thing like I had said I've you know uh, usually when we had a team show up in separate cars which a lot of people do uh, you know it's bad manners and really you, you didn't want to have a group of people standing outside the front of your house discussing what they thought was there or didn't so you know most of the time we would meet like at a nearby parking lot somewhere that we could just stop a minute and just kind of like talk about things that sometimes you just can't especially I would say about 80 percent of the investigations that I did the homeowners were there okay this is on residential investigations the homeowners were there and as a matter of fact we encouraged it you know about the only times that we said you know if they had pets or anything is like can you take them out for maybe a few hours so that we don't get weird noises in here and really it's your pet but besides that um, or there was really young children also we would ask them if they could let's like take them you know maybe with a grandparent or something for a little bit so we encourage the homeowners to be there and like i said uh it's in bad manners to sit out some side of somebody's house and have this discussion and basically it's just you sit there and you go, what did you think? What did you think? What happened to you? And, you know, and believe it or not, after during the three years, it wouldn't be the first time. A lot of times you end uh, a lot of, not all the time, but especially if it was on the weekend or you would end up some of these things, maybe 11 or 12. You know, let's say somebody worked, so they asked you to come by early because that's the only time they could be there so you had to leave by the time it's been a point being also depending where we were at it was pretty quiet when you rolled into some parking lot there was hardly anybody around so you just step out of your car and you would talk and and by the way some of you develop some really good memories also when you work in a paranormal team along those lines but you'd be surprised how many times we had really weird stuff happen to us right then and there and uh a lot of times it was stuff that was around us and let me give you an example we had times where we where we had like a cacophony of dogs start howling out of nowhere there was no siren go off like no police no fire department you know that some dogs will start howling nothing like that all of a sudden these dogs start howling like and it's not like once twice and it's over it was like it's so much that you are talking everybody just stops and look at each other like why are they howling why are they howling not barking howling like that what is going on and it was very disquieting as a matter of fact that happened to me like twice it's different investigations uh same thing like i said uh where all of a sudden you're hearing people talking and you're realizing wait a minute and you're like, man, are, like, is somebody over here? Almost like you're thinking is on the other side of that bush or the other side, of the... and there's nobody there. And it's conversation like what a lot of people describe where you can't exactly make out what's being said. And to be honest with you, at the beginning, when you're having a conversation in your group, you're not paying attention to that. You're like, and then all of a sudden, you know, when it intrudes on your reality, and you're like, who is that? You know, what? And then it's like, there's nothing there and uh you know every once in a while we would we would have stuff shift around inside of cars stuff that shouldn't have shifted especially because the car is not moving it's like it's been stopped for quite a while stuff shifting around and like equipment wise um I've had people that have had like stuffed animals uh you know when they were had that time of the beanie babies was this one investigator she had beanie babies in in her car I don't know if she kept I, I, I think she kept some on her, you know, on her uh, dashboard. She got a couple of the Beanie Babies thrown around inside her vehicle when we had been talking maybe like 15 minutes. The car wasn't moving. It wasn't even turned on. She had no AC, nothing. And it was like, um, I remember that we were like all getting in our cars and all of a sudden, she comes and she goes. You guys are gonna believe this, and we're like, "What? What? What is it? What is it?" She goes, "Come here." And we're like, "What? What?" We were like, "What is it? What is it?" And she's like, "Look." And we're like, "What?" <laughs> she goes, "Those things were on my dashboard. There was something like she knew that they had been shifted. They have been moved. Uh, other times, we have actually heard stuff from out, you know, from outside the vehicle. Stuff shifting and moving around inside vehicles. That's happened. Another time, we did hear something plunk like inside somebody's trunk." Uh, like in other words that there's no plausible reason why you're going to hear that noise uh and like i said this is more audible because it's later at night everything is quiet there's not that much traffic there's not a bunch of people streaming around it's just quieter uh and the reason why i point this out is number one the trickster thing that she pointed out and number two that When you do this, whether you're sensitive or not, which by the way, my theory is that along the line you develop sensitivity even if you don't have it, you are going to draw in entities and discarnates that have maybe no tie whatsoever to the location or the case that you are there for and they are desperate to be acknowledged to make communication something first of all because you're reaching out number two you might have more than one sensitive amongst you uh, a lot of times depending on the circumstances if you do have an active haunting at where you are at they will hold back either because they're afraid or there something is there just doesn't let them enter so they kinda hang out around the car uh, Like waiting for you to leave, and then that when you stop, then they. And I've said it before, I would smudge down all my vehicles, all my vehicles, uh, all the time, trunk everything. And everybody, like, oh, Marlene. It's like, oh, Marlene, nothing. Because after a while, when you work with different teams, some of us, I spoke to enough investigators that would tell me, I brought somebody home with me, and I would say, well, just ignore it. And sure enough, if nine times out of ten, if they didn't engage it, it would go away. But yeah stuff would start happening at the house and sometimes it was just somebody that didn't want to and and, and you and i want to say this is where you tread a fine line as an investigator part of you wants to you know you think what if this is somebody that's confused a human soul that's lost maybe it's not sure they're dead just can't figure out why nobody talks to them nobody seems to see them or hear them maybe they just need somebody to like push them in the right direction and tell them you're dead you you know you always kind of have at least me on the bleeding heart when it comes to that but based on my experience you always have to be careful because once you especially when it's something that's already come home with you when you start engaging in any type of dialogue or communication i hate to say it and i know some people will say nah but yeah it's almost like you're giving an invite you're acknowledging okay the truth is you really don't know what that entity is who that entity is you don't know is it truly a human soul that's lost and confused and maybe needs a helping hand to find its way? Or is it something else? And once you open those lines of communication, even whatever your best intention might be to say to this soul, you're dead, be on your way, whatever, it could take on a life of its own and you might have an entity that for some reason says, I want to stay here or it might be more malevolent than that i mean it it it, it opens it's it's a big question mark and you know my experience with that was like ignore them and believe me it was times that i was tempted to like want to start a dialogue universe to tell them you're dead uh, but when, it, like I said, I I always had very very strict boundaries between my home, my my space, my sacred space, my home, whatever, and any time that I did an investigation, especially after, I would come back. I would come back, which is. I don't engage with you. I don't talk to you, even if I feel you around me, because. Whatever I'm not, I'm gonna I'm gonna just ignore you and believe it or not that works <laughs> that works after two or three days it just dissipates it goes on its way whatever whatever it was and uh that's that so anyway guys i hope you like this show i know i love speaking to sue uh again i will have a link for her website on the credits of the show uh make sure to go to miami Ghost there you have links for the videos on the internet on YouTube, you have links to listen or download the actual mp3 files for the podcast. I also have links to different podcast platforms, uh, depending, you know, if you have iTunes, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, I have a link there that will take you directly to where our shows are held there on that platform. If you want to do that, so you could download whatever podcast you want and you know, listen to them, you know, at your Maybe you're going to be someplace where you don't have a Wi-Fi connection or something and you want to download those MP3 files. You can do it from MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Again, if you have a story, anything, an experience, contact me at Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I also have a Submit Your Story tab there at MiamiGhostChronicles.com by all means. Uh, Also, if you go to storiesofthesupernatural.info, I also have links there. To the shows and the podcast and uh, also I'm going to be putting up more information about the the book that I'm coming out with, probably at the end of this year, which is 2018. Uh, which is it's tentatively, tentatively um, titled "Supernatural Safety," and it's basically along the lines of what you should do a DIY, and I. I'm going to throw in there some caveats when it's like, this is not a DIY, you know, job, you know, and I'm sure all of you maybe have had that experience. If you have, uh, where you live at that, you know, there's some things that you could DIY and there's stuff that like, don't, you know, you're either going to ruin the plumbing. You're going to electrocute yourself. You know, I'll make mention, but there's a lot of things that, that I tell people what to, to do as far as when moving from to a place, what happens, what if you suspect, what if you pick up something and, You know, what you can do on your level before you need to bring in a paranormal team. And I also kind of tell you when it is like, stop it. Stop it right there and get somebody in there to help you. You know, like, uh, but I'll tell you more about the book. I'm working on it. So I'm one busy bee. So again, guys, thank you so very, very much for being part of my audience. I have a lot of excellent and fantastic and interesting guests lined up. So I hope you come back every week and we can share this time together. Take care.